Hello and welcome to the Weekend Update. I am Christopher Gallagher. It is Friday the 27th of January 2023 as we gear up to another big weekend in Scottish football for Glasgow Celtic, the current champions of the Scottish Premiership. I am joined today by my very good friend, Barry Gallagher. Hello Barry, how are you sir? Very good, thanks. It's nice to join you. Sun shining and as you say, everything... um Regarding Celtic, seems very positive just now, so it's a nice place to be. Lovely, nice and rosy. Um, yes. How are you, Barry? What's been happening with you in your life? Um, I'm very good, thanks. Nothing much. Um, the reason I'm able to, to join today is, as we discussed just before we started recording, is I'm on strike, so power to the people. Power to the people, solidarity. Um, and that goes out to all our striking brothers and sisters. Uh, hopefully they'll get what they deserve uh, moving forward. Uh, okay, so it's a big weekend. Um, there's not necessarily a lot of news. There is some things we can touch on. But we got we got a question yesterday from Tommy from Air uh, for the weekly, but uh, we ran out of time with the weekly. So um, I thought I would uh, read it out for today and we can talk about it. We also got a question from Ryan Mullen. So the opening question... Tommy from Air, with the continual push to get high quality players from abroad and with the need to have Scottish and homegrown players in our Champions League squad, should we be more gambling? Should we be gambling more in the transfer market on young talent within the Scottish game? So that was a question from Tommy. Ryan McMullen also had a question. Let me just read out Ryan's question as well because it was quite relevant to the whole process. Uh, Hi Trips, given that so many other leagues are now shopping in the Scottish market. And with the likes of Welsh being touted to go, when we next see a crop of Scottish boys, is there any obvious players in the league we should be looking at? Or is bringing the youth in earlier going to be our best way of achieving the homegrown quota and enticing these boys to stay longer? Um, Two good questions. What's your kind of initial thoughts on uh, both those questions, Barry? Um, Kind of of polar opposites for the the two views I, I see it. Ultimately, I'll go with the... The more controversial view. Ultimately, I just want to see Celtic being successful. Um, I was actually having this conversation with my nephew uh, the last game we were at together, and I think might be wrong here, but I'm sure under Martin O'Neill was the first time we'd fielded a, a whole eleven that didn't have a single Scott. Um, and obviously, we were we could be getting close to that again, which I'd imagine is the reason for these questions being asked by um, the subscribers. But yes, I think it's always important to have the core. Um, because Celtic has prided themselves on bringing Scottish players through. Um, I would still maintain that Cal McGregor is our best player. Um, he came through the ranks. Um, and you want to have that core. But ultimately, if Celtic are winning, I- I'm happy. Um, exotic signings coming in. Um, always, rightly or wrongly, always seem more exciting than um, Scot- Scottish players. But... To sort of balance it out, I do think that we need to keep an eye on them. Um, I think Alan made a good point on the agenda um, earlier this week about if players are starting to look like they can hold their own and maybe not setting the head of the light um, every week. But if you're 17, 18 and you have 50, 60 games under your belt and you are performing solidly for your team, for say like the United or the Hibs, I think it would be worth our while keeping tabs on them. Um, but on the flip side of that, if they do really excel, like Calvin Ramsey, for example, by the time they played, played 40, 50 games, they're out of their, their reach. So I think it is important that we try and get them in early. The same the same way that we are trying to get players um, from abroad before they should really alert 
scouts from the bigger leagues. Um, but yeah, and ultimately we would want our own players coming through as well. And we've got the point about them being cherry picked by academies. And <clears throat> this week it's was it Josh Adam, um, who's Man, uh, Man City have moved on again. Um, but yeah, it, it would be nice to, to do it. But I think I'm leaning more towards if Celtic are successful on the pitch. I'm very um, about the here and now. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Um, I'm kind of torn. I'm kind of torn because I absolutely want Celtic to be the best they can be. And I look at the Scottish talent coming through and I think that most of the talent is kind of taking it. So here's a perfect example. We're going to have uh, Paul um, on. He's from the Dode, pod, uh, the Dode Fox podcast, which is a Dundee United podcast. Paul t- talks really, really well and he talks really eloquently. They've got a young player called Rory McLeod who is 16 and he's in the Dundee United first team. And it's more than likely he will leave because Newcastle are after him, uh, Crystal Palace are after him, I think even Man City are after him and stuff. And you're talking about £600,000 for a 16-year-old. And, um, you know, Paul's point of view was, I would rather not have that money and he played 150 games for Dundee United. You know, because ultimately it's going to get to the point where we may as well have a tunnel from our academy down south because yeah. if players <clears throat> show any sort of promise and I, that, i'm not just talking about celtic i'm talking about the whole country because it's been happening to rangers as well if she players show any sort of promise you know they're going to go down south and you know i, I don't necessarily blame players for going and getting more money life-changing money at such a young age and such but you know, the question that you just asked there was, was my thoughts. Ultimately, I want Celtic to be the best they can be if that means that Celtic as a football club has 11 players who aren't Scottish or Glaswegian or uh, from Ireland or, you know, no connection. If we're successful, I'm not going to fucking, do you know what I mean? But, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I do like something that anchors me to the club. Someone, you know, you look at someone like Callum McGregor, you look at something like someone like Tony Ralston, you look at someone like Stephen Welsh and you think... They are not that other than their incredible football and talent, they are not that far removed from me in terms yeah. of being a working class boy from Glasgow who, you know, had an amazing talent but played for Celtic. And you'd like to think it's the kind of looking at them saying, That's what I would do if I was as good as you. Do you know what I mean, Barry? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's always it's nice to hear when you see that players come in and they see the likes of Welsh and Ralston. Um, you're telling them about foreign players, what the fans are singing about them and what it means to play for the club. Um, yeah, and it would... Uh, is that whole identity thing, which I think was a good way of describing it. Um, you wouldn't want to lose your identity because the most of our best teams have had players um, homegrown or, or from this country at least, but I think we are um, we're fickle and we just want success and lots of it. And if that's brought about by a team full of nine 10, 11 foreign players, then I'm all for it. Um, so it's a, it's a difficult one trying to find the balance, I think, because they have to be good enough straight away. You can't just buy Scottish players who are inferior to players that you could buy from Japan or Korea like we're doing just now. Um, so it's finding a balance that they absolutely have to be good enough to impact our first team. Yeah, and, and I also think like there's clearly these youngsters are good enough because they're getting siphoned off by top, top academies. So what I would look at it, I'd look at it from the perspective of how can we keep them? Like, what what can we do to 
keep these young players engaged? What can we do to keep them focused? What can we do to tell them this is actually your path to that big move in England? You know, and I think it's a problem to be solved from my point of view. I don't think we need to, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater and say we're never going to sign a Scottish player again or every single one of our players is going to get signed away. It's a problem to be solved. Barry, you're you're a maths guy. It's just, it's like an equation. You just have to, fractions and all that, right? Yep, just chip away at it. Um, show you're working and um, <laughs> you make a mistake, learn from it. But that, that's the other point as well. It's I can see the point you made about how it's enticing for young players to go down to these world-class facilities and all that. But it'll be interesting to see in two or three years when they do get to the, the age, some of them already are, um, 18, 19, of when you want to be playing the bulk of your football to get that experience. And it'll be interesting to see coming out the other end how many of them go on to have good careers. Because um, you can't help but think some of our best players in recent years have had that. Sometimes we've run them into the ground by playing too much, but they've had that experience of winning every week and then... If they do move on from here, they're well prepared for it because of the environment they play in here. Whereas you could look at some of the players that get to 18, 19 and haven't played a first team game for you, like some Man City or Bayern Munich or whatever. And you wonder if that has hindered their development, even though they've had exposure to training with world class players and the best facilities that, that money can offer. Yeah. I also, I look back at someone like Kieran Tierney who, you know, the only chance he, the reason he got his chance was because we, had, we didn't have a left back. You know, like Emilio Izaguirre was injured and Kieran Tierney got his opportunity and he grabbed it with, you know, both hands. But would he have got an opportunity, Barry, if if Izaguirre was fit for the rest of the season? Probably, probably not. Probably not, no, you're right. And I think it is, it's that luck thing, which it seems so flippant to say because you're dealing with human beings here and yeah. um, their development. But a lot of it is down to luck. And but as I say... I'd be interested to see if we were to have this conversation in two years' time. How many of the, the people went to Man City, Bayern Munich, I think a couple went to Liverpool and Leeds. Um, how many competitive first-team games they've played, whether it's out on loan or... Um, because I'm not classing the, the Premiership Tour or whatever as competitive football. I know, it, I know yeah. it's they put, shine a lot of money on it and shine a lot of light on it and put a lot of money into it, but you can't replicate that, um, that first-team experience. And the whole... Highland, um, or Lowland League rather, um, with the B team, that's, I don't think that's even worth discussing because it's not, it's not what it's sold to be and it's not what it's made out to be. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, in regards to, I was just thinking, you know, what I was thinking about before we move on to the news, do you know what I was thinking about? I was thinking about how when we brought in guys like Paul Hartley and Barry Robson and how they were really experienced. They'd both kind of had their different, different shares of clubs. Hartley went down south and such. And it's just how there aren't really players like that in the league anymore. Um, <clears throat> there aren't any players, you know, around 28, 29 who you'd look at and you'd think they could do a job for us. Um, I don't mean that disrespectfully to, to the league. And in fact, a lot that, you know, a lot of these clubs are, you know, they're, the profile of the, the squads are far younger. Um, yeah. but it, it's just like you don't you don't really see a Hartley or a Robson because what the question that Ryan was asking is you know if you're looking around the league who who do you think we could bring in? Honestly, I I don't think there's anyone in the league that comes close to being able to even challenge for a first team place. What's your thoughts? Do you think that might be because the likes of so as you said Hartley went down to Millwall didn't he? Yeah. Um, and I think a few of them did under that. Uh, Colin Cameron as well. I'm sure there was a few of them went down. Stevie Crawford as well. Yep. Um, 
and the likes of you could maybe say that's because players are going down to England so early now. Um, a comparable player maybe would be somebody like Barry Bannon, who's had all of his career down south. Um, and that could be the bigger picture now that when they are 18, 19, they're down there and spending the bulk of their careers in the Championship or League One. But no, that's an interesting point because there is no one who is at Hearts or Dundee United or um, Hibs, etc., who you know could come in and impact the first team. Whether whether that was, I tend to think Hartley and um, Robson did a good job for us, but I think it was just at that particular time um, that they were the right fit. Um, but no, it's weird that there isn't any players that jump out like that who are experienced pros who could come in in the short term and um, really help out the squad, but there's nothing like that. Yeah, I think the kind of the whole kind of platform, the whole kind of um the whole base of the of Scottish football, specifically Scottish Premiership football, has just kinda changed so much that maybe we will get a league that's gonna be from a kind of average age a lot younger, which I guess we'd you'd encourage that would be good. But that lack of experience I think kind of is quite telling. Anyway, um good points from Ryan and uh, Tommy. Thanks for getting involved. Um Celtic have turned down Atlanta, I keep I keep wanting to say Atalanta, but it's it's Atlanta. I was making that mistake as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Celtic have turned down Atlanta's uh, Atlanta United's offer of taking striker Georgios Jakamakis on loan. The Scottish champions have a four million pound bid on the table from Uriah Red Diamonds. So Celtic have basically said to Atlanta that they don't want to put Gigi out on loan. They want a permanent deal. What's your thoughts? What's your take? Will he stay? Will he go? What are you thinking? I can totally see why Celtic are sort of digging their heels in with this because there's no guarantees that um, with a loan that you might go over there and you might not settle and then you're, what, six months more into his contract? Um, not running down because I know he's on a big contract, but six months further into his career where he hasn't been scoring goals at our level. Yeah. And then if they don't fancy him, because I don't think it was, I don't think it was an obligation to buy, it was just an option, wasn't it? Just an option, yeah. Sure. Um, and then he's back, and then you could say that his values, his values gone down. Um, but I can understand why it would be more of an appealing move for Gigi and his family, uh, the language, etc., and a similar culture to our own. Um, so it's a difficult one. I kind of think now, earlier in the week, I was leaning towards the fact that he was definitely gone. Um, but I feel he might still be here um, until the summer at least. Shit. And it's, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because there's all those rumours and obviously we can't clarify anything that he did have a change of heart himself and Ange had said, no, you've kind of made your bed and need to lie in it. So whether that's true or not, I don't know. But and again, you can't force him to go to, go to Japan if he doesn't doesn't fancy that. Because I think Atlanta, I said again, Atlanta <laughs> um, have, they've offered them better wages, I believe, um, than the package on the table from Urawa. So I... Um, a difficult one. If he was to stay, it might not be the worst thing um, because if Kyogo was to get injured, it's a lot of pressure on O um, that we'll come on to. But yeah, you just, in an ideal world, you would want him to go. But because I think when you've kind of gone past that phase now, he's, it was as if he said his goodbyes to Nate Hamden a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And that was very much the, the farewell. Um, and I always think it's a bit awkward when you've had all that and you don't go. Remember, 
as a geary. I know as a geary came back, but I remember him going round the pitch waving to everyone. And then he was he was still there. <laughs> it's a bit like having a leaving party from work, and then you don't actually leave. It's him, Paul McStay as well. I mean, he That's kind right. of said goodbye to the jungle and everything, and then there was but he's bit, boots in the crowd, didn't he? Yeah, press, he's in the crowd, yeah. press conference, and he's he's staying. Um, what I just it's one of those things where I think personally that if he stays, he's never going to be fully focused. Now, that's not no. to say he's not going to be professional. I would never say that he's not he's going to be unprofessional or anything or he's not going to try. But, the, you know, when you get yourself into a mindset, you mentioned that they are human beings. When you get yourself into a mindset that you are leaving and then you're kind of still here, you know, I, I, don't, I don't see, I think he'll do his job. I think he'll be professional, but I just think it would be a bit awkward for everyone. Yeah. Um, and with how O's came out with his interviews and talking about I'm ready to take on Dundee United and I want to make a really great start and Ange saying this boy's ready to go, it does make you think that even if he stays, his time's probably going to be quite limited. Thoughts? I mean, do, do you think O would be ahead of him in that pecking order if he was to stay? Uh, as you said, all the noises coming out of Celtic, it, it does seem, um, because I think before we signed though, it was almost like, will he be someone that we kind of try and bed in slowly but surely? Yeah. And then he'll make the big impact um, next season. But from everything that's coming out, I think, um, it was a similar point made see when we signed Awata, like how much coverage there was on these unveiling all the interviews, all the content. It does seem like he's going to be front and centre, like he's ready to, go. to play in the the next few weeks, maybe even, as you say, Dundee United on Sunday. And it would push Jackie Marcus down the pecking order. And then it comes to that whole thing about his value going down again because of his, say he plays less than 10 games if he stays at us between now and end of the season. It's kind of that whole strike with Iron's hot. He's, his form in the early part of this season and all of last season will kind of be forgotten about, rightly or wrongly, because players and the way that the transfer market is now, I think not many, apart from England, which is just crazy, but not many teams are taking a chance or being risky with their money. Yeah. Um, and if we think a low fee, because I, I would have thought initially after the back of last season, scoring in the Champions League this season, six million would have been a fair price, but we're not really getting anywhere near that, maybe with add-ons. So I think it's best for all parties if he does go. So hopefully Atlanta will stump up the cash um, and then he can go there. Yeah, and and that's the thing. It's you know we do have a couple of days left. You know the other thing with you know you've got Kyogo and he's a very Kyogo's got a very specific set of skills and they're they're very good for how Ange sets up and stuff. The thing about O is you know Christian did a, a kind of a player profile and he's very physical. He's very yeah. you know he's, he's maybe not what I was expecting because I've not I've not seen him play. But Christian was saying he's very physical. He likes heading the ball. He likes to defend. Like gets back and stuff. So he actually might be. And I really don't mean this disrespectfully. Might just be a better version of Gigi. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's that thing. Like can't remember who said it before, but sometimes the idea of Gigi <laughs> and the way it's he's looking at him physically and he does put himself about a bit, but. More often than not, it was giving away needless fouls or um, when defenders got in his head, it was more about going after them rather than influence the game. So from what I've seen, and it's very limited of all, um, he uses his body really well. He does that sort of role defenders. Like yeah. he holds the ball in and then rolls and gets a shot away. Um, as you said, scores headers. But from what I liked about him was left foot, right foot. Um, and 
we're hoping that every signing and it won't be like a, a sort of cast iron case that every signing's going to improve straight away on the, the the person who's departed, like Gigi and Johnson, for example. But with time, you're hoping he'd influence the team more um, than Gigi because Gigi's goals were brilliant and a large part of us winning the league last year. But the change in style was quite dramatic when he came in. Um, I think the likes of Maeda and Jota had to change the way that they would play. Yeah. Um, Kyogo, and you're hoping that in time, all to have the best bits of Kyogo and the best bits of Gigi. Um, so we'll get a more rounded um, centre forward that we don't have to change our style of play when he gets dropped in or rotates with Kyogo. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, Kevin Nisbet looks set to move to Millwall. They're looking at about two million quid. Um, we've discussed Kevin Nisbet to to death almost. Um, but what's your kind of take on that move? You think that's a good move for him? You know, it's obviously someone that we potentially looked at. I'm sure he's on a list somewhere. Thoughts? Um, yeah, I, I like him as a player. I think he's maybe, and it sounds mental to say, because I think we're maybe too fixated now on players' ages. But he's twenty four. 25, I think. 26. So 26, sorry, even worse then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> put them in the scrap people already, but I think, see, if he had been, because he has had a great return since coming back from that, that bad injury last year, but see if he was 21, 22, I'd be more inclined to do it then. Um, and that's main, that's keeping the player's interest at heart as well, because if he's 26, um, there's no point in him coming to be third choice at Celtic. Um and I think the championship um, is a, a league that he can get goals in. I think he would score goals pretty much anywhere he would went because uh, he would go. Sorry, because of his physicality, um, he's quite a clever player as well. I think I think his first game back was at Ibrox, wasn't it? Um, and he was he terrorized, terrorized them that night in December. Um, so no, I think it'd be a good move for him. Be interesting to see how he does because you'd imagine that he could get a better move than that if he hits the ground running down there. But no. I, I can see why there was a link with him. I believe he's a big Celtic fan as well, but I think we're kind of moving in a, a better and a higher calibre of direction um, than someone like Kevin is, but, and that's no disrespect to him. Yeah, it's one of those things, though, where he's going to go and he's going to play really well in the Championship and then people will be like, see, we should have signed him! And it's like, that's not how it works. You know? uh, Daryl Murphy scored, what, 32 in the Championship one year after he'd been at us, um, so... Oh. It's, it's not the league that it's cracked out to be. No, I mean, the money that's spent in that league and the, the level of football is just so bad. I mean, you, you can what you can sit on a Saturday morning, like midday or whatever, if you're if you're about and there's not a Celtic game on, stick on the Sky Championship. It's fucking honking. Um, and by the way, I take great delight in saying that. Um, <laughs> just a wee update here that um, Wigan are looking to bring in Sean Maloney. Uh, Sean Maloney, a good uh, good Celtic man. Um, he obviously was the manager of Hibs and uh, Kolotori was the manager of Wigan. He got uh, let go yesterday or the day before. Uh, he only in, he was only brought in in November as well. So I know this is nine games. Yeah, nine games he was in charge for. That's a bit a bit crazy. But uh, Sean Maloney, future Celtic manager at some point. Oof, I don't know about that. <laughs> it was actually when I saw Sean Maloney's, Sean Maloney's name this week, it was because it was his 40th birthday and that gave me a, a shiver down my spine because I was lucky enough to be at Ibrox that day in the 3 0 game when he came on. Um, and I think we spoke about this before. It was obviously the days before you had Twitter and I think your only knowledge of these players was the Celtic View or the back of the programme. 
and most of the people around me that day didn't even know who he was. Like, couldn't hear because obviously the crowd was loud when we had the full allocation at Ibrox and it wasn't until after the game we, re- we realised who he was. But it's crazy, I think, now when you see you've gone through a player's whole career and have come out the other end and retired. But and I hope he does well. Um, he seems to, whenever you see him speaking, um, he's gone uh, sports scene a lot recently. He speaks well. Um, I always liked him. I know there was that period where he kind of left and came back, wasn't there? I know that upset a lot of people, but I thought he was a good player. Um, he always comes across well, and you would like to see him do well um, because he's had all that experience um, with Roberto Martinez, hasn't he? Um, which, rightly or wrongly, um, you would hope would stand them in good stead. But who knows? If he goes down there, then we can review it because I think He's very much in the new sort of wave of managers. Um, to use a cliche, a, a student of the game, I think. Um, because I remember, I think it was maybe a game last season where he was on Sky with Chris Boyd and it was like they were speaking two different languages. Oh. <laughs> he was so on the ball and Chris Boyd looked flummoxed by some of the words he was using. So, no, good luck to him and hopefully he'll get longer than the nine games that Colo did. Yeah, absolutely. I think... Um... I think was it last week he was for the BBC coverage of the Morton game. I went back and rewatched it, and um, he came across very well. He just comes across as someone who, as you say, student of the game, someone who kind of talks. Uh, what is it? Um, kind of jargon-free, talks in a very open way, but speaks technically enough, but without the sort of over you know, jargony stuff. So, yeah, good to see Sean Maloney get hopefully getting back into. Uh, the the management game because he's a good dude. The other thing as well, Gal, just on that is he was very successful there as a player, wasn't he? He won the, the League Cup there, so you would it, imagine that that'll give the fans instant buy-in, I think, because um, someone who's had history there and been very successful, probably the, well, without doubt, the most successful Wigan team that there's ever been. Um, so, yeah, hopefully that'll buy him a bit more time and he, he can turn it around. I think it was the FA Cup. I think it was. I think it was. They beat Man City, didn't they? In the FA Cup. What was? You're right. Aye. Even yeah. better. Yeah. And I think they get relegated as well that season, didn't they? Just weird how it works down there. But yeah, that's right. Crazy. Um, Celtic go to Tanadice to take on Dundee United. Barry, you will be in attendance at Tanadice. Um, lovely well, stuff. Yep. Lovely stuff. Uh, what are you thinking about the game itself? Tannadice is always a good place to go, I think. Um, Dundee United are one of the teams, apart from maybe when they come to Celtic Park, who they do tend to sit in there, I think, are some of the games that were tight last season. But at Tannadice, they seem to want to have a go. The crowd are always right behind them, and that plays right into their hands. Um, the 9-0 game earlier in the season still fresh in the memory. I think that that was... Peak Ange ball. I know it's easy to say that because it was nine 0 yeah. but some of the football, <laughs> some of the the football we played that day was incredible. Um, and I'm just hoping for more of the same. Really, um, I think the pitch is always good there. Um, we always have a good crowd, and we will get nothing really but fond memories um, from there. Um, so hopefully more of the same on Sunday. Uh, Dund- I'm sure people are aware, or maybe they're not aware. Dundee United, kind of the 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 team that was set up, they were Dundee Hibernian. When I remember a couple of years ago, a couple of years ago, I say a couple of years ago, it was in the nineties, I think, where they had their centenary top and it was green. Um, I think that was 
I think that was 2000, 2001, because she laughs in a Martin O'Neill's first league game. I'm sure they had the green top one. That day we wore the yellow away. So. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah, so they had uh, that. Their, their top was green. I think they lean our way, if you know what I mean. And I think that they, they're, yeah, I, I liked, I've always liked Dundee United. I, I don't like any team outside Celtic, but do you know what I mean? Though? Like they're, they've always been a club I've been like, yeah, they seem they seem all right. Yeah. And they've always, obviously had a bit of needle with Rangers as well. Um, so that's always been great. Helps. Yep. Yep. Um, I just, some of our. Um, Matches from last season, uh, we beat them 3-0 in December 2021. Uh, we beat them 3-0 in the Scottish Cup, you got a hat-trick. The 11th of May, we beat them, this is all at Tanadice. Uh, we drew one each for the final league game of the season, which we got crowned champions. And then obviously at the start of this season, we beat them 9-0. Compare and contrast that to the previous meetings at Celtic Park, it was one each. It was one nil with uh, one each in September 2021. It was one nil in January 2022. A last minute, a bad goal, and obviously the last game, we were you know, two one up. Last minute, it became two, it became two each, and then in the last minute, Kyogo scores the header. What is it about Tanadice? Is it is is it that what you're saying about how at Celtic Park they'll maybe play a little deeper, maybe be a little more compact, but Tanadice they'll come and have a go, and that's why we maybe find it easier there. I think so, yeah. I think the Dundee United crowds are quite um, vocal and they tend to kind of drive the team on. Um, so I don't know if it's maybe in their mindset that when the crowds are behind them, it's only natural, I suppose, that you want to go out and try and please them. Um, but I love it, so <laughs> stick to the same game plan because <laughs> yes. we'll just pick them off. So, no, it is a difficult one because it is very chalk and cheese, isn't it, when you compare the results and compare the performances. But there is just something about the stadium. I think it just, they tend to try and have a go at us early. And if it doesn't work, then we just start to take control. I can't really remember a game we've gone there in recent times. I remember they kind of sat in the night we won the title um, when Hesselink scored because that was very tense. Um, yeah. But it tends to be, there's goals and lots of them and Celtic tend to put on a show. So. Fingers crossed it's the same on Sunday. Uh, you know, one of my kind of Vegas memories of, of Tanadice is John Barnes. He uh, started off really well. I think we won our like, first three or four games. First game at, you know, uh, Pataudry 5-0, Larson and Viduka, sensational. And then we go to Tanadice and we lose. And I remember I remember just not under Like, I remember not... Un- that's going to sound ridiculous because I would have been... 90, I would have been 16, 17. But I remember being like, oh, this isn't supposed to happen. Yeah. You know, because I'm like playing championship manager and all that. And, you know, you just, when you get a new manager coming in, you know, you always kind of win and stuff. And I just remember thinking, really rocked by the idea that, oh, we're not kind of, because you just felt that that Celtic team at that point under Barnes and all that, such a, everyone was feeling a Berkovic and all that. You just felt they were just going to dominate everyone, and then to lose, it was like, oh fuck! And that was like that first point of doubt. Do you, you remember that, Barry? I do. Yeah, um, that was when the, the talk started to come out that the infamous four two 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 didn't have a plan B, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think it was Craig Easton who terrorised us. That didn't remember that's a name from the past. <clears throat> um, yeah, so there is <clears throat> there is results um, that have <clears throat> excuse me have gone against us. I think. Remember there was a game where Ambrose scored an OG in the last minute. Um, I think that was maybe just around about the time we beat Barcelona. So there is warning signs there, but 
Um, what has been positive, and on the whole, most of my memories there of Celtic playing well and more often than not getting the result. Yeah, um, just on that Dundee United game from 1999, 15th of August 1999, Craig Easton scored, Easton scored in the 12th minute, Billy Dodds made it 2-0, 42nd minute, but we got one back by Eilberg, which this is the Celtic team. Golden goals, and then, as you mentioned, 4-2-2-2. Ryseth, Mialbi, Tabie, Imahi, the two defendings, defending midfielders, Paul Lambert, Morton Vikorst, the two attacking midfielders, Lubo Moravchik and Ayo Berkovic, and the two strikers, Larson Vituka. That's a hell of a team. Like, how that does is, that team lose, Barry? That's insane. That's, that is mental. Um, but as you say, it was the sort of creaking signs of what would eventually go on to unravel. Um, and I suppose that you, you could take it as a, a, a word of warning that if you're not on it, regardless of having the better players, and you don't turn up on the day, then teams like Dundee United can give you a right fright. But I think with this particular team, it's more rounded, isn't it? There's more balance to the team. There's a formation that is tried and tested um, and not just picked out the air, I think. Because I, I don't remember many teams playing 4 2 2 2, maybe Brazil of 1970. But um, yeah, um, that, that was a, a shiver down my spine just thinking of that, the John Barnes era. But no, I think that the conditions are perfect for us going there usually. Um, and hopefully it's a day like today where the sun's shining and there's that sort of crisp um, atmosphere and the fans will be right behind the team because we get the shed and then the whole um, sort of stand along the, the touchline as well. So really looking forward to it and hoping to see some of our new players getting minutes as well. Absolutely. Um, since we played them last, uh, which was the 5th of November, their home record's good. Um, they've played Kilmarnock at home, they beat them 4-0. They played Hearts at home and they drew two each with them. They played Ross County at home and they beat them 3-0. And then, obviously, they, ro- they lost 2-0 to Rangers, but they performed really well in that game for about 55-60 minutes and they were actually really pretty unlucky. Their last game, last league game, was a two-each draw with Hibs at Easter Road. They, you know, we're going to hear from Paul, um, Paul McNichol. Uh, he'll talk about that game as well. But, and the seven games we've played them since, they've won three, they've drawn two, and they've lost two. So they've went from rock bottom to tenth, uh, and they're only four points off St. Johnson in eighth. So they're on the they're on the up, Barry. So what you say about you know focus focus is important. Yeah, definitely. Um, and the fact that they have again come back to that being open. I think the fact that they have had positive results in the last three four games as you say out with the, the Rangers game I think again that could play into our hands because if they had if we were playing them and they'd no wins in the last five or whatever that might make them more inclined to sit in but hopefully they, they've learned nothing from the last 20 years or so and still come out firing out the traps and we just pick them off and score 10 this time <laughs> love it love it um, Barry what would your team be um, going into the game tomorrow uh, talk me through your team we're still unaware about the availability of uh, uh, Greg Taylor or CCV I'm sure Ange will pick up on that uh, at the press conference but w- what are you thinking um, so Hart and Goals um, Johnson um, Starfield and Kobayashi I think um, CCV as you mentioned still no mention of him and I would play Burnaby. Um, the only way to see if he is ready, and I know that he's had patchy form of late, particularly defensively, we're going to 
we're going to need to make a decision about him one way or another. I know it's too early to make the decision now, but games like this where there is a sort of buoyant crowd um, who are pretty close to the pitch, these are the games that we're going to need him for if he has to succeed as a Celtic player. So there's no point in trying to shield him from it because you're only prolonging whether he can do it or not. So Burnaby, for me, midfield, I would stick with McGregor, Hitati and Moy. I think Moy's almost at the stage of being undroppable just now. Um, and I know that Matt O'Reilly was superb. I think that was probably his best performance of the season at Tannadice. Um I think of that first-time pass he played for one of the goals. But I think Moy, in current form, deserves to, to stay in. And then I would have Jota, Kyogo um, and Maeda. That would be my, my three, yeah, front three, yeah. Yeah, I would, I would go, I would go, very, very similar. Um, yeah, in fact, that's probably the team I would go with as well. As 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 we don't know at this point, um, Taylor and CCV, I think we would probably slide both of them in if we had the option if they're available. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if not, Kobayashi, Kobayashi and Bernabai are are the boys to go. Um, What's your prediction for this game? What do you think will happen? I don't necessarily need a score. I'm just looking for a performance from someone or anything. Whatever you think. Um, just, just maybe just a, a warning or a word of warning there. Just when you think of Kobayashi and Bernabe both on the left hand side, I'd imagine Stephen Fletcher, if he's fit, will his instructions will be to veer over to that side to put pressure on both of them, um, as you would do. But I think I think there'll be goals as as we've said previously. Um I'd imagine Kyogo want to continue his rich vein of form. Um especially now with O um providing more competition and Gigi, as we've said, is still here, um, one way or another. But I just want to see Celtic um continue um to improve as we have done. Because I think the form after coming back from World Cup Although the forms can get the performances maybe went, but I think we're maybe starting to see a wee turn now that we're getting back to the form that we had maybe September, October uh, domestically. And as always, I think there'll be plenty of substitutes. So that's that's the, the good thing about this squad and also the five subs rule that even if you aren't starting, there's a good chance you're going to get at least half an hour. So the likes of Abada, who scored a hat-trick here as well last time we'd get on and really hoping that oh. Is on the bench. I'm not sure if he's fitness. The way he was talking, which I loved, was um, he was saying he wants to give the Celtic fans a debut to remember. Um, love stuff like that. Um, your thoughts go back to the likes of Cadetti, Van Hooydonk, and all that. Love it. Um, the strikers who just come in and do the business. Um, Kyogo as well, actually, for a, a closer um, sort of example. But even if he's on the bench, just to give the fans that boost of him running around the track, I love stuff like that. And then um, Awata as well. Love to see more of him. So I'm hoping that we start the game really well. We're a few goals up by half time, and then the 60 minute mark, we can bring on these guys without any real fear of the result um, changing because we've done the hard work early doors. Do you think? Do you think all will come on tomorrow or Sunday? <clears throat> um, I'd be surprised because I know it's a while since he played, um, but I think sometimes I know you could argue with our squad putting someone on when you've no intention of bringing them on could be a waste of a sub, but I think it's different when it's someone who is a new signing. And I know we did that with Hawata, didn't we? He didn't come on, but sometimes it can just give the fans a wee boost and it can give them a boost as well. And it can maybe sort of accelerate their progress because they're thinking, if I'm not really fit just now and I'm making the bench, I've got a right good chance of being on the team when I am 100% fit. So, be interesting to see what Anne says today. Um, 
And it looked like he had been training a couple of days, maybe even a day before it was announced, didn't it? So I quite like that, how we've got them in and no one knows until they, they drop the the sort of, the way that uh, signings are announced on Twitter this day with a wee bit of, uh, bit of fun. But what do you think? Do you think he'll be straight in to the bench or come on? Uh, I don't know. I, I do get the feeling that Ange will want him to, you know, get a touch of the ball and, you know, get involved and be part of it as early as possible. But maybe tomorrow might be too soon. Uh, or Sunday might be too soon. Mm. So I re- I reckon he'll play some part, whether it be on Sunday or whether it be on Wednesday against Livingston. Um, yeah. And I, I'm not necessarily saying it's going to be half an hour. It might be 10 minutes. But I yeah. think he'll look to get him involved as quickly as possible. Um, but yeah, looking forward to it. Can't wait. Um, yeah, enjoy enjoy your trip to Tandys, buddy. Thank you, looking forward to it. Um, we're going to hear now from the Dundee United. Uh, we're going to hear from Paul McNichol from the Dode Fox, Fo- Dode Fox podcast. Let's get the Dundee United perspective. I'm joined now by Paul McNichol from the Dode Fox podcast, uh, Dundee United uh, podcast. Thanks for returning to speak to us, Paul. My pleasure, Chris. Yep, always good to speak to yourself. Lovely Can't stuff. Wait. Um the last time we spoke was on the eve of the Celtic uh, Dundee United game at Celtic Park on the 5th of November, which ended up being a lot tighter and very much a different type of game than we'd expect. And what was your experience of you? You were at the game with your son. What was the experience of it? Uh, it yeah, it was obviously different from the one in August, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, although, like any time that I've been through uh, to Celtic Park watching United, you always feel like you're under the cosh. You know, I, I kind of think of many games where I've been there, certainly, and I've come away thinking, oh, United were the better team there. You know, we were unlucky. So uh, the, the scoreline was closer. And if you're just looking at the, the times that the goals were scored, then you could you could be forgiven for thinking, ah, oh, Christ, United were a wee bit unlucky there. But even when we equalised in that game the second time, yeah, but I didn't get too carried away because I have seen that movie before. <laughs> it never usually ends very well. Um, I was, I was actually, I meant to ask you this last time. Did, were you at the Celtic Dundee United game? Was it ninety five or 90, 95, 96 when you the cup? Aye, when we, you were two 0 up and we scored. Yeah. Oh no, is that was that Tanadice? No, the one at Celtic Park when we scored at Celtic Park. There was one at Celtic Park where United were actually in the Championship or or League One, whatever it was called at that point. And uh, and you guys were in the process of redeveloping Celtic Park. Yeah. And United were one nothing up. That's like it. We, we we had a penalty. We missed the penalty. I think we scored the rebound. Gordon Marshall probably should have been sent off that day. However, he was now. And uh, and it was all looking well. Like this this was going to be the result of a generation. Uh, and you guys scored two goals in injury time. Or so. It's just... Yeah, I th- I've seen it so many times, Chris. I've yeah. seen it so many times. <laughs> yeah, I think it was Andy Tom and Pierre Van Hoydonk. Uh, That's exactly who it was, yeah. yeah. Thank you very much for bringing that up before I, I've had my lunch. Yeah, Sorry, it's, it right off my scrambled eggs. As soon as I said that, I thought, what a dick. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, that, that, ga- that, that game, though, overall, um, it kind of showed kind of shoots of uh, promise in regards to at least the performance. Um, I want to highlight the penalty, though, the Bernabeu penalty. Where Stephen Fletcher head, heads the ball, what's your what's your take on? We obviously we are in a bit of a echo chamber when it comes to talking about Celtic and talking about VAR and stuff, and it's always good to get different yeah. perspective. What's the, what's your what's your guys' perspective on it? 
Right, my my own personal perspective, and I'm only speaking for myself. Uh, I didn't think it was a penalty. However, like, uh, it depends who you speak to. Some people are like, no, it is, and, and others have come out. And I think when people, when you get people starting quoting you the actual laws of the game, then you're like, oh, okay, well, but that doesn't make it right. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Don't get me wrong. At the time, well, at the time, like, there was nothing, was there? If you if you were at the game yourself, you wouldn't have known it was United were on the attack. It got cleared. And then I went back for a VAR and you weren't really sure what was going on. But when I've seen it again at night, I kind of, I don't know what the guy, uh, Bernard Bacon, can do out the way of that. Like, yeah. And it's, and I get that people were saying, ah, but it's it's an unnatural position. No, it's no. You, you didn't jump with your hands at your side. No. That, that would be unnatural to me. So, and the fact that it was also like his back arm, like it wasn't a, I, to me, it wasn't a penalty. To answer your question, because I didn't think it was a penalty, but of course we were delighted when it was given. Uh, hey, like, I, we would have been exactly. You, you the same. take it, don't you? Yeah, yeah but exactly. you guys have been on you. Ha, you have been on the end of some bizarre ones. You know, I could think of was it the first VAR game at Tynecastle, <laughs> yeah. and then the one the, the Ross County one. Yeah, a Goldsmith. That was it, never a penalty. Yeah, I mean, even like Goldson, the two in the in the derby and stuff. You know, it's. You know, don't well, want... when he tipped it over the bar, how was that? <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, Unbelievable! You know, <laughs> I mean, don't want to put the kind of tinfoil hat on stuff, but it, it just, no. it's just it's real bad incompetence. What what's your take on VAR overall in Scottish football? Well, it was supposed to make things better, uh, and I, I, I don't think it has. I mean, for sure, it's probably got some things right, and and not just in Scottish football, like everywhere. I, I don't know if we've got VAR light. Up here, like we didn't have as many camera angles as whatever, but some of the decisions, uh, they're just they're baffling, you know. Even like it went for you guys last week against um, Greenock Morton, but I didn't think that was a penalty. Yeah. Like, I didn't know what Effie Ambrose is. How is he meant to get his hand out the way? It happened that quick. It was one of them again. It happened that quick. Like you didn't even see it at the time, exactly. And then you see it slowed down, and you're thinking, right, okay, it has hit his hand. But Cheesy peeps, like it's no apparently. Yeah. And then the guy, somebody in a studio says, Well, it's maybe worth having a look at. And you're thinking, that's fine, the ref, the ref's no complete half wit. He'll he'll sort this out. And he goes over and he changes his mind. And it's just it's just bizarre. Like yeah. some, some of the decisions are utterly bizarre. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things for us is like uh, and I, I don't know how it is at, at Tanadice, but um the fan experience of not really knowing what's happening and the game being stopped. Have you, have you had a lot of experiences of that happen during your game? It's happened a, cu- it's happened a couple of games, but probably one of the worst was uh, when we were at Celtic Park because like, it was obviously, ju- well, it was not, wasn't it Justin, but it was a few weeks old at that point. And like, it seemed to take ages. There was also, in, in the same game, there was the challenge on Giacomacus, I think, and it was sibled. Yeah. Uh, where it was, I think it was a potential red card, and then ultimately nothing. But what, I mean, and and that's fair enough. Like if it's a red card, then make the decision quicker. You know, it, it, things that day seem to take ages, yeah, ages and ages. And it's supposed well, it got brought in, didn't it? Saying, "Ah, it's for clear and obvious." Well, if something's clear and obvious, it, it shouldn't take five or six minutes to figure it out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like the VAR assistant referee isn't supposed to be refereeing the game, and that's kind of what it kind of what it feels like sometimes. But yeah, yeah, I, and that's the thing. It's I think this is going to go on for a while, but you know what can we do about it? Anyway, Dundee United. Um, obviously, since that game that was um, in November, you've you've done pretty well. Um, two defeats, a couple of draws, but some wins as well. How how are you guys playing? 
Uh, it's it's still fairly uninspiring to watch, if I'm being totally honest. But the ship has definitely been steadied. Yeah, uh, we've tightened up at the back. Uh, touch wood. I know that I'm saying that to maybe the wrong fan base. <laughs> we'll see what happens on Sunday. But in general, we have tightened up at the back. We've still obviously suffered a few defeats, but there hasn't been any absolute pumpings, and it's not even looked like happening. Uh, so yeah, like it's Liam Fox. He's came in. There's, there's probably no many United fans would have wanted him. There's, there's still a large portion that probably still didn't think he's the man. But he has improved things, and and I and I get like it would be difficult not to improve things after taking seven from Alkmaar, nine from you guys, uh, three from St Mirren at home. Like we were rock bottom, we were absolutely rooted. We just seemed bereft of anything like confidence, ability. You guys that were good players, you're looking at them thinking this boy's never kicked a football in his life. Yeah. Uh, so he's definitely came in. He studied the ship. It has took a it has took a while. Confidence seems to be growing again. We've now got uh, the goalkeeper who was in the goal for the 4-2 game and didn't cover himself in glory at one of the goals. Uh, I think it was the second goal for you guys that day. But he's he's now got a wee bit of confidence back as well. So it'll be interesting to see what happens on Sunday. Uh, but it's I think it's basically down to how you guys play. Uh, and we've just got to try and play to our best and hope for the best as well. But it, it will be interesting. If we fold like we did in August... You'll see me on that part. <laughs> uh, the last game, kind of uh, league game, obviously you, you took on Stirling Uni, but you, you kind of dispatched him pretty easily 3 0. The game at Easter Road, uh, two each, how how was that? Was that um, a good. Because Hibs are a bit of a basket case. Yes, that, that game was frustrating, Chris, because we, we were there, we played quite well. I thought Hibs were dreadful that day. Uh, it's a poor, poor Hibs team. Yeah. And we were we went one up, uh, and then against the runner play, I would say, and I, I, I didn't want to say that I'm, I'm that biased when it comes to United. Like we, I, I do feel it was against the runner play that Hibs got back into it, and then United once again go and score another one to make it two one, and then in the second half, for probably from about an hour in, United just looked out on their feet. And I would, I, I've criticised them in the past, thinking that they're not as fit as we should be but maybe it's because they put in so much effort. I don't know. It depends on how you look at it. But standing uh, in, on the terraces, or well, you're meant to be sitting, I suppose, but I was standing that day, uh, you, you were just crying out for a change. You know, we, we could have done with some fresh legs somewhere in that team from about an hour in. It never really happened until too late. And then Hibs were building and building and building. And it just felt like it was going to come. Obviously, they get the equaliser right at the end of the game. Uh, but... It would be hard to say they didn't deserve it because they did kind of dominate us the last certainly twenty five thirty minutes. I felt so it was it was very frustrating, and it did feel like two points dropped on the day. Yeah, it, obviously you, you're now. I mean, your tenth position, same kind of points as same points as Kilmarnock and Motherwell. You're only four points off St Johnston. Mm-hmm. In regards to that steadying of the ship, is there anything specific that's happened with like personnel, or is it just a case of? having a bit of consistency in personnel and tactics? I think defensively, like he's definitely changed the system a little bit, uh, but defensively when, when Jack Ross was in, uh, he was, it was, we were playing a back four and it was almost like he was trying to play a high line. Now that's fine, but we didn't have any pace in our back line at yeah. all. Then we, we didn't have much pace in the team. So to play a high line, we defenders when they pace, 
it was a recipe for disaster. Is that you, like you guys? I know it was nine 0 that day. Let's be honest; it, it could have been a lot more. You know, it, it was that bad. Uh, we we couldn't have complained if it was more. So he's he's kind of studied the ship. We've went to a flat back three, although I would imagine it'll probably be five on Sunday. Yeah, uh, the wing backs will probably be defending there and they're attacking. I would I would assume. Uh, so he's he's kind of built from the back. He's I think, and that's like if you're pragmatic about it, you you want to be hard to beat before you're comfortably winning games. So he's made us a little bit harder to beat. It's as I said at the start, it's still no great to watch. But the position that we're in, like we, you just we kind of get relegated. That would just Christ knows what that would do to the finances of the club. I could only imagine. But we kind of get relegated. So if we've got to be pragmatic all season to try and get out of this predicament that we managed to get ourselves in, then so be it. But it's defensively we we seem to be more sound. And I know that I'm setting myself up for you guys to score double figures on Sunday by saying that. But up to the up to that game, we have we have improved definitely at the back. Um, obviously, you have uh, Stephen Fletcher and, and Charlie Mulgrew, two players with a lot of experience. Is that experience important for a team? Because you do have a lot of young players. Yeah, probably more so. Certainly on the pitch, I would say more so from Fletcher because Mulgrew's been in and out of the team this year uh, with injuries and, and whatever else. He's also now a coach. Uh, oh, okay. he's, he's took on a coaching role at Tannadice. Uh, but Fletcher, Fletcher's been brilliant. Uh, I'm not sure what age he is, 35, 36, 37. Uh, but he's he's been absolutely brilliant for us. And when the when club interviews come out on social media, or that, like we've got a guy, Rory McLeod, up front. He's only 16. Of course, yeah. I don't know, know what you were doing at 16. Or I certainly wasn't running about in the Premier League playing football. Uh, but the, these guys, and Glenn Middleton, the guy that we picked up from that other mob across your city, uh, they all... They all speak glowingly of the influence that Fletcher's got on them. You know, he, he obviously talks them through games, but he's but he's not just doing that. You know, he is adding to the team as well. He's brilliant in there, great at holding ball up. Uh, if he could add a few more goals, that would be dynamite. But it's not like he's missing sitter after sitter because we were not creating that much. So, yeah, yeah Fletcher's been. Uh, He's been excellent this season for us. Uh, in regards to Rory McLeod, there's a lot of speculation, um, mm. you know, linking him away. Uh, he seems to just just from the kind of brief kind of interviews I've seen him do with the kind of mainstream media, he seems to quite have quite a good head on his shoulders. What's the likelihood that he leaves, though? I would imagine that he'll. Well, it just depends. Like if if there's teams that want him, which is what the what the rumours are. Yeah, uh, I would imagine that he'll probably be away in the summer. I would think. Uh, just because, like United, can't can afford to be holding on to these prized assets. Now, again, it'll depend on on how much. Uh, but as and as a fan, I understand that from like if, when I was younger, like anybody that wanted to leave your your football club, like you're like, what do you want to do that for? This is the best club in the world. Yeah, blah blah blah. How could you sign for them? Yeah, I'm still at that. You get older, <laughs> you get older, and you think because we've there's been a few players that have left us in the last few years. Like you might not even know them, but like Scott Banks, he was one of them. And he was like coming through and he was highly rated. And he must have played, I don't know, four games for United and then he was away to Crystal Palace. I don't blame him because he's probably went down there on four or five grand a week. Yeah, He's on a four-year deal. Even if it goes absolutely pear-shaped for him, Chris, he comes back up the road at 21. And if he's not a complete dafty, he's got loads of money in the bank. Yeah, And and, and there's some boys that, at, in football that didn't break into teams until they're 21 anyway, so... I don't blame these guys. As for the case of Rory, 
I hope that we get to see him for a while longer. Uh, it would, I mean, I'm split because there's there's a big part of me that thinks like you you get better by playing, but but at the same time, United will not be paying this guy that much. Like he's he's essentially a school kid. If somebody comes in and offers him two, three, four grand a week, I'd, I don't know. I would be saying I'm not wanting that just now because I'll wait because I know I'm going to get more. You, you, you never know. You never know if you're going to get more down the line. It's easy for a fan to say, nah, just play 50, 100 games at Tannadice and then you'll get a big move. You might know. It might never happen. So I think that he'll probably be away in the summer. Yeah, I mean, we had something very similar with uh, Ben Doak. Uh, who Good player. Good I mean, it's the kind of the thing where he came on against Rangers. You know, when he came on, it was the game was kind of done. But you know, he was sixteen, and then he's like right in the Liverpool first team. Now he's not going to be there in the Liverpool first team squad. You know, from being sixteen onwards. But you know, he'll get the odd game. There'll be a development plan for him. The, the thing I found about you know, in my time growing up as a, as a, a, a Scottish football fan, obviously in your time as well, um, the league was had so much young raw talent that would develop this game and then go to England unfortunately yeah. it seems to be they're taking our young players from the academy from, yeah before they before, before before the like, I don't know I don't know how it feels uh, for you as a Celtic fan but certainly from a United point of view like we didn't win the league we like we've won five trophies in, in our whole existence but you get wee snippets and you get you hear wee nuggets, oh so and so's coming through, he's like he's fourteen, he's fifteen, he's, he's and and these guys, like you kinda I'm not saying you hang all your hopes on them, but you look forward to them coming through. Yeah. Kerr Smith last season, I think he he broke into the United team at the age of sixteen, seventeen. And then he was away. Like okay, we've got decent money for him, potentially getting two million for him, but he plays ten games. You know, you've heard all this about him for a couple of years, breaks into the team plays 10 games and he's off and it's just it's just a punt for the teams down down south it's nothing to them you know I will give this guy five grand a week I will spend 800 grand on him up front it's it's nothing to them you know but it's it's quite demoralizing for a punter certainly because you you, you want to see these guys play for your, your own team and some of these guys might even be well I, I, I'm assuming as Ben Doak was he a Celtic fan uh, as far as we're aware so so but what I'm trying to say is it doesn't even come in that nah it does not come in there, you know. So some of these guys that are breaking Tannadice uh, into the, to United, there might be United fans, but like when a better offer comes in, it's 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 see ya. I, and I think that's the other thing as well. Like um, we've had, obviously, I don't know how much this has been covered that other fans will know about it, but let, we've had like an entire team being pulled apart. But and it's not like they're being pulled apart and going to Derby County. They're going to Bayern Munich. They're going to Manchester City. They're going to Crystal Palace. They're going big to teams, yeah. Big, big teams. Um, but I, there was a report last week about how Man City basically took a young 16-year-old from Celtic, um, gave, gave him two years, and now they're going to sell him to, like, Lorient in France, which is a great move for him. But it's like, mm. you know, all, basically they were just... A lot of them are just kind of looking at talent, thinking we can flip this, we can get this yeah. young boy. He's hundred percent four hundred thousand pounds. We can develop him a little bit more, and we can sell him for two million quid. That's yep. the frustration. If they're going to Man Cities and Crystal Palaces and they're breaking into the first team, I'm like I completely understand. But it's just like buying a car and flip, <laughs> flipping it in a way, and it's really hundred percent. Yeah, you know? I think we, I think guys like myself and and you, we obviously think differently from from the people that run these clubs because they, they see everything as, and it's surprising that Man City do that because I was, I was going to say that they see 
this guy coming in and then maybe making a wee bit of money on them. I wouldn't imagine that, that that should come into much of the thinking we man city because they are essentially a bottomless bit of money. But yeah. like you 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 guys, for example, you bring a lot of like Japanese and I think Korean players over. Yeah. But these guys are coming into your team, they're they're making an impact, they're contributing, you're still successful. And and I dare say that the, the bigger overall picture is maybe a couple of years down the line after that. You sell them for big money, and then you go again. You you go and bring somebody else in. United just now we we're bringing in certainly not at the same level, but we're bringing in guys from Africa. So we've got a Ugandan just now on the books. We're bringing over an R couple of Ugandan trialists, and United fans are thinking these guys are the these guys are for the here and now. You know they're not going to get signed up after this trial and go straight into the team. But I think from the club's point of view, they're probably thinking. This is an untapped market. Even if we bring over fifteen people, if one of them makes us a lot of money, we're laughing. Yeah, but we, but you, as a fan, you're just wanting, you're just wanting the best on on the park. Like I didn't care about all this. Oh well, further down the line, we might make money. I didn't care. Yeah, try I, and win a trophy. Well, I think try I think, and win a game. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. When like um, I, I was reading about Rodan McLeod, and it was like you know a valuation of like five hundred thousand pounds, and you know as I say, like when we've Ben Doak went for eight hundred thousand pounds. I don't really care. Like, wh- I'm one of these people, and I think a lot of people are kind of waking up this, to this idea when you see a, a big Celtic fans are always kind of bumming to Rangers fans on like Twitter about, oh, we made 24 million quid from Tierney and all that, and all your players. Who we never see the money. The money's not in our bank account. I'd, I'd rather these players gave us like yeah. that hundred game, and we got less money for less money for them. Hundred percent, and that's that's how me and you think differently from the the people with the purse strings. Are. like exactly. as you say, like there's on Twitter, there's there's loads of fans that uh, that seem to be more bothered about the the valuation of your star Jeez. players than what they're actually doing on the park for you. Like personally, it doesn't put me up there doing if United sell Rory McLeod for half a million or half a billion. Like, I didn't get any of that. Like, Matt, is my team going to get better? That's all that I'm worried about. Yeah, it's 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 really a non-factor for the for us punters. I would say absolutely. Um, in regards to the transfer business coming in and out just this month, have you got any? I, I keep seeing rumours about Tony Watt being linked away. How's he performing just now? Would he be a big loss? Uh, would he be a big loss? He'd be a loss. I would say uh, he he's been in, in and out of the team. Now I, I don't know what's happening. I don't know if there's an issue behind the scenes. But he played the other week against uh, St Johnston through in Perth. Uh, Fletcher was out injured in that game, and I thought he was our best player. Uh, but it was a performance that you didn't often see from him. You know, he was the, he was the main man up front that day. He ran the line. He scored the winning goal, and then he got subbed off at the end of that game. And that it was just before that game there was talk of well, he's maybe going away to Salford. There's other teams in England wanting him. Yeah, and the way that he reacted to getting subbed off, you know, with waving. And, he didn't have kissed the badge, certainly, but patting, patting the badge on the jersey and that, it just felt like a farewell. And then he was in the, he was back on the bench the next week and he was back on the bench the week after. So, I, I don't know, reading between the lines, I wouldn't be surprised if he leaves uh, in January. And would it be a big loss? Well, it will be if we don't replace him. Yeah. Aye, I can completely understand we, that. We, we, can't, we can't just rely on... Stephen Fletcher, who's about ages we my granddad, and Rory McLeod was ages we my bairn at skill. So, th- th- I would say you need to bring somebody else in. Um, just with the game on on Sunday, uh, it's a oh, four o'clock kickoff, which is a bit weird. But um, in in regards to going into, it, obviously that nine nil is probably more likely to be an, 
our minds than it is to be on the players' minds? Or what's your kind of thoughts on that? Do you think that'll have an impact? What do you think the approach will be? Well, as a, as a fan that was there that day, I am scarred by that. So if Liam Fox decides to go for a flat back 10, I'm all for that. Like I, I'm no against that. Yeah. But uh, but all joking aside, it's, I don't know. Like I've, I've watched a video on social media today. It was on Sky Sports Scotland. Uh, Charlie Mulgrew and, and Stephen Fletcher getting interviewed about the game. And uh, I think the question was put to Mulgrew, how do you stop Celtic? And he was like, well... He says, when I was in the Celtic team, when you go to these places, you didn't necessarily look forward to it, but you hope that the opposition kind of pay a wee bit too much respect, I suppose, and sit off you and let you comfortably have possession and whatever. And he was saying, so we'll try not to do that. <clears throat> and I'm listening to it thinking, that is exactly what we do all the time. Like We always allow the team to have the ball, do what they want with it, and if we start pressing, we probably start pressing when we're about 30 yards favour on goal which to me is inviting trouble on. So yeah. we're going to, we, as I said, like United are going to have to be at their best. Celtic are going to have to be a little bit off it uh, t- to get anything. Like, I, I just think I just think that you guys, when you are on forum uh, this season, you, you're just battering teams, uh, absolutely battering teams. And now I, I know that the, the, other, the other mob that we don't like speaking about like they're still obviously up near you guys in the league, but they're not really battering anybody. I don't know, there's no the same fear when you come up against them. Like we we played them the other week, and I thought United, I thought we shot the bed against them. To be honest with you, yeah. like there was something there for us that day, and uh, we just we, we got nothing ultimately, and, and didn't deserve anything either. But I, like it, I, I watched the, I watched the I watched the game I watched the game until Rangers scored, but uh, you performed really well. Like the first half, you were really aggressive and really kind of hundred percent. Yep, and then, and then something happened. Something happened from about the fortieth minute where we just sat off them and just allowed them to do whatever they wanted to do, and it was easy for them in the end. And like it shouldn't have been. Like if if we adopt the same attitude on Sunday, I'll notice be two 0 like, I think I think we both we both know that. Uh, so yeah, I, it's definitely on my mind that nine nothing game, but that's because I'm a punter and I, I bleed black and tangerine, so it will always be on my mind. And it's as I was saying on my own podcast uh, with my buddy Ronnie, I was like, "This is the United Celtic games these days are the the games that I least look forward to, purely because of recent history and and maybe even not so recent history. You know, we it's very rare that we get a good result against you guys." And he said, "Ah, but we drew one all at the end of last season." I was like, "That's just, I take your point," but I says, "But that was a that was convenient because I think that done you guys that night, and it done us as well." So, like, I think if you had to win that game, it might not have finished one all. But uh, yeah, it's, I'm, I kind of I kind of lie and say I kind of wait for the Celtic visit on Sunday. Uh, what will be will be, but it's I, I'm hoping I'm hoping from my point of view that that we've certainly tightened up enough at the back. Uh, and if we could maybe hit you on the break on a a, a breakaway or something, then that, that might be your best opportunity. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, we, our back four has kind of flipped and changed a little bit. Uh, centre half's coming in and out. Uh, Full back certainly changing. There'll be looks like there's still not going to be any Greg Taylor. So, you know, we we might be a little bit shaky at the back. I don't know why I'm giving you tips, um, <laughs> but from- yeah, Liam Fox will not listen to this, so I wouldn't worry. But <laughs> I could tell you about our defence as well. Like we're we're uh, United. We he has been changing the defence. So if we come up against Ross County, they've got that big dumpling up front, Jordan yeah. White or whatever his name is. 
uh, and United will will usually put Ryan Edwards, who's he's the captain, he's probably there all the time, but they put in Mulgrew and Ross Graham against him because that's three six footers. Tall. And then when we play St Johnston, Mulgrew and Ross Graham drop to the bench, and you go with Liam Smith and Scott McMahon, competent defenders, but full backs, and that's. And that's one of the criticisms, I suppose, of the the system that we are employing because we're essentially playing when we've got five at the back, which I believe that we will have on Sunday. If we play Liam Smith, Scott McMahon, Ryan Edwards, Kieran Freeman, and Aziz Beach, of the five, that's four fullbacks. Yeah. And Ryan Edwards, he can be good on his day, but against boys like Kyogo, Jota, I would imagine that's his worst nightmare. Because yeah. he's slow to turn, he's no pace. Anything in the air, I'm, I'm hoping he would deal with. But you guys didn't score many headed goals. Although you did at Tannadice. Starfelt from a corner, I think it was. Yeah, um, the new boy we've got in, uh, I, I don't think he'll take part. But, oh, he seems to be someone who's quite physical. And, um, obviously, we're replacing Jack Amakis. I remember he scored that hat-trick in the Scottish Cup. And it was the worst hat-trick I've ever seen in my life. He was absolutely hopeless that day. But he still scored a hat trick. But um, I- I'm looking forward to it. I-, I think it'll be. Of course you are. Of uh, course you are, Chris. Um, of course. Uh, but you know, I-, I was just looking at kind of the, the recent record, as um, your-, your colleague on the pod said. Like at Celtic Park, you have caused us a lot of problems. Uh, mm. You know, one one each draw, 26 September, the- last January, last minute a bad a goal, and then even mm-hmm. the last performance. Whereas at Dundee United. Uh, at Tanadice, we've had it a little bit easier, so uh, that, that's kind of a bit flip reverse from what you'd expect. You know, you'd really expect it, you to be better at Tanadice than at Celtic Park. Yeah, yeah you, you would think, but it's uh, it's just no the way that it goes. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't go in. I don't go into this game with any expectation from from my point of view. I just go in with nothing but hope. Whereas I would imagine you will have expectations and hope. Yeah, we just want to plow on and get this league wrapped up. Uh, kind of final couple of points. Firstly, Amy Gallagher, Dundonian, playing for Celtic FC Women. Mm-hmm. Absolutely sensational. Um, I don't know if she's a great, United great fan. Player. Or, but she, she's good pals with my sister. Uh, and you'll be thinking, what are you telling us that for? Well, my sister's the Dundee United Women's goalkeeper this yes. season. Uh, and and Amy. Amy goes to most United games, actually. Uh, she is she is a, a big United fan. I'm not sure that's a secret of it. It's maybe edit that out. <laughs> but she is a big United fan. Uh, she's she's related to Kevin Gallagher. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's her uncle. Yeah. And... I'm pretty sure that's her uncle. Uh, but she's a really good player. Uh, and she, in the women's game the other, it must have been a good few weeks now when it was, was it 7 0 United Celtic? Yeah. Amy scored. And I think, like she pointed at my sister after that, but. I was like, that was a bit cheeky. Was it no Fiona? She was like, no, I tell her she wasn't going to score today. I was like, oh, <laughs> you blew it. You just encouraged her to do that, to put the bar right in the top corner. Brilliant. Uh, but she's she's a very good player. Very, very good player. Very good. Uh, and just finally, just Jim Goodwin, right? Aberdeen manager. That statement yesterday from Aberdeen saying, you're not doing a very good job, but it's no bad enough that we're going to sack you. But, he's, you know, yeah. if you lose to Hibs, that's terrible. What's your kind of take on that? Hilarious, <laughs> hilarious! Like I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of Jim Goodwin because he and he's playing Daisy. He elbowed a few United players in the pus, uh, on the ball, off the ball. Yeah. He was just a, he was just a nasty bugger. I thought. Uh, so yeah, like I watched the game on Monday night. 
couldn't believe what I was seeing. It's great. No, some of the Darvo boys were absolutely brilliant. The number nineteen, I forget his name, True, True something. He was he was brilliant, but Aberdeen, they were just stinking. They were just never at it at all. And like I know that you get cup shocks, and like on any given day, anything can happen uh, unless it's United v Celtic. <laughs> but like that that sort of result shouldn't happen. That that just shouldn't happen. Uh, yeah. I think they've spent a not small amount of money to assemble that team. Uh, and he's he's just not getting a tune at them. So the, the statement yesterday, I don't think it clarified anything. Yeah. Uh, just kind of what you were kind of alluding to there. Uh, you, you, you've done bad, but not quite bad enough. But if you lose to Hibs, I mean, that, that, that's, that was like what it seemed like. Yeah. Like if they get, just say they get beat 3-0 on Saturday and it's, it's another horror show. I, I could imagine that he's, he's not at his desk on Monday. Exactly. I mean, so, I mean that could be I that could be for either of those managers to be fair. So, yeah, and I, and I don't like either of those managers. The <laughs> other boy just talks absolute nonsense as well. Oh god, that's absolute just, nonsense. That's we beat, we beat them one nil at Tanadice uh, a good few months back, and he came out after the game and said, "Ah, oh, well, like that was a percentile win for us because." 67 times out of 100, we'd have won that game on chances. And what are you talking about? You got bit 1 0. I would imagine even Hibs, like if that was a United manager coming out with that guff, you're like, shut up, got bit. Total ready. But these, these, oh, unbelievable. But hey ho. Uh, Paul, it's been an absolute pleasure as always. I'm sure we'll have you on again. Uh, The Dode Fox podcast, I have listened to it and I've enjoyed it quite thoroughly. Um, Pleasure as always, sir. Thank you very much, Chris. Thanks to Paul. Uh, fantastic value as always. I'm sure we'll have him on again soon. Um, we've got Celtic FC women are taking on Hearts in Edinburgh on Sunday. It's a 3pm kickoff. It's on BBC Alba, so check it out. Um, also, the Derby that was supposed to take place on the same day as the Cup Final has now been moved to Friday the 24th of February. So Celtic FC women will be taking on Rangers uh, women at the Excelsior Stadium 7 o'clock, Friday the 24th of February, two days before the Big League Cup uh, finals. So it's a good way to start warming up for the big game on Sunday. Great stuff. Uh, from a cynic perspective, we've got the House of Tims. Uh, Barry was a big part of House of Tims. Barry, if you had to sell House of Tims to the listener, how would you sell it? Celtic themed chaos, I would say. Um, <laughs> yes. I really enjoyed it. Um, uh, the dynamic of it, the, the other panellists were great and it was a great laugh, a great way to, to spend a Tuesday night when we recorded it and um, there was drama, um, there was laughter, it was brilliant so I would highly recommend it. Absolutely, Fan- fantastic stuff, everyone was, was really, really <coughs> great on it, a great laugh and so superb work from Claire. Um, Sunday we've got the reaction to the Dundee United game, uh, looking forward to that and then from there we'll be back uh, with the agenda on Monday. So, Barry, it's time for fact or fiction. I ask two questions and you state if they are fact or fiction and why. I've got the old, uh, I I love this phrase. Celtic will get a blue chip loan signing in the door before the window slams shut. Fact or fiction? I'm going to say fiction. Um, It's funny, I was actually having a a conversation at work um, with one of my pals yesterday and it's funny because more often than not, these blue chip signings, whether they've been successful or not, haven't really had the impact that we would have liked. Yeah. I think back to Bellamy was Bellamy was probably the most exciting for me. Um, I know Keane had 
the Irish connection and Keane performed you could argue better because of his goal return. Um but Bellamy and Keane, that was because it came so late on the last day, didn't it? And I think the English window had closed and then it was like the yellow ticker on sky that Craig Bellamy and then Robbie Keane are travelling up to Glasgow and the excitement of that was unparalleled, I think. And I was been flippant about saying, see this signing players early now, um, before the windows open, it's boring, there's no drama like the last day, but I'm I'm joking because the forward planning seems far more um advanced than it's ever been um for Celtic. But I don't think so. Um I don't I don't doubt that on the last day there will be players offered to us, um who either teams haven't been able to move on or they can't guarantee them games. But unless it was really something who would alleviate us to like levels that we couldn't get normally, um you would of course take it, but I don't think that's the way that Celtic operate anymore. Um and the only thing I could think of maybe getting a loan signing in is if Taylor or CCV's injuries were worse than are being reported. And um, the fact that Jens is away, um perhaps we could look at more cover there for centre half, but you've got the likes of Iwata who can play there and Kobayashi who's just start to find the, starting to find his feet as a Celtic player. But no, I don't think I don't think so. I would be very surprised. Um let's put it that way. False. Um <clears throat> Fact or fiction, Barry? Celtic will, sc- will score ten goals in a game this season. I'm going to go fact. Yes, um, positivity, and it's funny. Um, the fact that we're playing Dundee United, as we've discussed this weekend. See that period after we got the ninth goal, and I think it was can't remember roughly, but it felt like a 10, 15 minute period where we had that chance, and that I've never seen a Celtic team be like that because. I remember we got a corner and Taylor was sprinting to get the ball to McGregor, who I think was taking it. And it was almost as if we needed our last minute winner. Yeah. And the atmosphere was incredible. Like McGregor had a chance actually, but he just dragged it wide and again being flippant. It was almost a disappointment coming out of the ground that day. You won 9 0 and everybody was delighted. Tyler on the agony gets sung for the majority <laughs> of the game. But it was mental just that drive and determination of the team to get the ball. They were still taking throw-ins quickly, quick free kicks. Everyone was desperate to to get us a 10-0. So with that in mind, and I think because of that determination that the players had, because I've often thought in the past that, I don't know if it's a, a, a for-respect thing. I remember Rogers talking about that. Remember the game where we won the league against them in 5-0? Yeah. Um, and we were 5-0 up after 55 minutes. And it always rankles me. Um, and it did for a long period of time, because it wasn't until this season, really, that we gave them a hiding again, which for, felt like the first time in four or five years, um, that we didn't really go to town and try and better the 7-1 um, defeat, uh, defeat of them that day. But no, I think there's plenty of goals in this team. There's so many players itching, like I mentioned, to come off the bench and make an impact. The likes of Owen being added to it now, um, the form Maeda's in, the form Keogh goes in, Jotas will be wanting to get back to the form. So there's goals all over the, all over the pitch. A centre-half score, even Taylor scoring now. So, yes, I think it will happen. And I'd be absolutely delighted if it was Sunday. Um, you can imagine a 19-0 aggregate over Dundee United <laughs> in two games would be dream one. So, yeah, I'm going to say fact. Um, I'll never forget the, the 5-0 game. I was uh, flying back from Croatia that day. So I messaged my dad and I said, 
I'm going, I'm, I'll be on a plane when the game's happening. I'm going to turn my phone on. I will turn it on when I get into Glasgow. Please do not text anything. I'm not going to go on Twitter. I'm not going to go on thingy. But please don't text. Aye, aye, no bother. I will not, you will not hear a thing from me. Get into Glasgow airport. I turn my phone on. Can you believe we only won 5 0? <laughs> 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 that's good news to hear though mind you if you are, if you, if you are going to have something spoiled a 5 nil win to win the title was a good way of, of hearing it straight, straight home watched the game was class claps out um, Barry I've got a wee bonus thing no. it's, uh, it's a line up quiz you're not against anyone you're on your own I'm going to give you three lives Barry I love this <clears throat> the 30th of July 2000 Dundee United 1, Celtic 2 in the Scottish Premier League. Can you give me the lineup? Uh, as I say, I'll give you three lives. Take your time. Relax. Right. And it doesn't have to be in order, does it? It can just be players that I think of. Just players. And if you mention them in the squad, you don't use... If they're in the squad, you don't lose a life, so... Okay, so... We'll go Larson and Sutton. Lovely. Two. Um. Mahi, I remember him. Superb, yep, you're in. McNamara. Superb. Um, Boyd. Superb, yep, perfect. Mialbi. Mialbi was not involved. Not involved. Did he get injured at the Euros or something? I think so. He took a time to get into the news team, didn't he? So maybe he didn't advance him at that point. So that's one nice down. Was Gould in goals? Gould was in goals. Very good, Barry. Very good. Um, who did Santa Hafs be? Um, Stubbs? Absolutely spot on. I think who Santa Hafs would have been before Neil. Oh, Paul Harren. You're absolutely nailing it, my man. So I've got the back five. You've, um, you've, you've only got three players to get because you don't have to name the entire squad. It's just the starting 11. Right. Lambert. Lambert. Boom. Two down. Uh, two left. Libo. No. Libo wasn't oh, even on the bench. Got one God. more. Take your time. Oh. I want to say Petrov. And you've said Petrov. So, yes, correct. You've got one more player to get. One more player to get. Have a think around that time. Midfielder. Yep. I'm between two. Name the two. I'm not going to... Okay. And Petter. Neither of them. <laughs> no, no. You can pick one. Maybe, they, maybe they're both there. Maybe one's in the squad. Who knows? I'm going to say Berkovic. Berkovic is it? Yes. Oh, yes. Correct. <laughs> uh, Bobby Petter was on in the squad. So the squad was... So the start of the lineup was uh, Gold, Johnny Gould. Um, and it was uh, Stubbs, Valharan and Boyd. Mahi, McNamara, Lambert, Berkovic, Petrov with Larson and Sutton up front. And on the bench was Stuart Kerr, Oofed. <clears throat> uh, Bobby Petta, Tabili and Burchill. Larson scored in the 37th minute and uh, Sutton scored in the 66th minute. Barry Gallagher, <clears throat> superb stuff as always, sir. Thanks for getting involved. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed it and hope everyone has a, a good weekend and a resounding victory on Sunday night. Hail, hail, the Celts are here. Uh, from Barry Gallagher, from myself, Chris Gallagher, have a great weekend. This is a weekend update and we'll speak to you down the road.